evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 16 of the Uncharted Territory podcast. My name is Chad Olson, broadcasting to you from the depths of uh, Cellar Dweller Studios here in Metropolitan Gilbert, Iowa. Uh, I'd like to introduce my fellow panelists and co-hosts tonight. Uh, let's see, starting uh, up in my upper left-hand corner, the uh, owner of a lovely Bill's World Order show shirt, the fabulous Tim Dalton. Hey everybody! Uh, welcome, welcome to the podcast. And uh, yeah, yeah, the the, uh, the the blue meanie uh, did did me some some good, and and uh, I got my uh, BWO shirt yesterday, and I'm sporting it this evening. All right. Next, we have uh, way up yonder in Minnesota, my brother Corey Olson. Hello, promoters. Thanks for tuning in once again. Um, we were just talking about the weather before it started recording. It's, it's not too bad for a January or Feb, excuse me, February night in, uh, in Minnesota, but it is, uh, it's supposed to be in the negative temperatures this weekend and in Iowa as well for Chad. So, um, yeah, stay warm. And we have a man in Virginia who has no nog. Stu, <laughs> Stu, tell us how you're feeling. This is your first broadcast without eggnog. I'm a little grouchy, a little out of sorts. I, I have no eggnog tonight. I'm, I'm drinking a Hardywood gingerbread stout, which is a it's it's a suitable replacement, but it's not eggnog, and you can't find eggnog on the shelves anymore. So we'll, we'll see. I'm going to suffer through this. Stuart's going to be on eggnog withdrawals for the next ten months. Yeah. I'm shaking. And our special guest tonight, back again uh, after our world whirlwind tour of New England. Mr. Mark Ashby. Mark, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being back. If you drive, if you're a Connecticut resident and you drive in that state at all, I hate you. Um, that's all I have to say about my New England trip. So, okay. Well. <laughs> Worst drivers in the country. That's, that's, that's my assessment. But anyway, yes, glad to be here. I think Mark might need some eggnog tonight, too. So, <laughs> uh, we'll get going tonight. We're going to jump right into our, uh, our main topic of the evening. Um, we're doing a review of Club Galactica Super Report from September and October 20, uh, 2088, 1988. I always do that, man. <laughs> so two issues here. We're going to go through them and, and kind of hit some high points in both of them and ask Mark some questions and uh, see how it goes. We had a great response, Mark. I don't know if you knew, but we actually we won an Emmy for the episode you were on. Of um, course you did. I mean, yeah. that, was, that was just a given. Yeah. And a Tony. Yeah, so. And a Tony, too. It was amazing. Yeah. And so, an Academy Award. So tonight, yeah, we're going for an Oscar and a Grammy Billy and a Kevin. Slammy. Yeah. And a Golden Globe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, there's some award. award. We got an award from someplace called AVN, but I'm not sure what that is. So we're, we're <laughs> no, don't, that don't, don't no? Google that. No. Uh, if you're at work. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All oh. you folks under 18, yeah, you better yeah, not do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, the first big kind of uh, reveal is that the newsletter now has a name, the Club Galactica Super Report. And uh, looking back at things, Mark Taggart was the winner of that. And you said you didn't remember any of them last time you're on, but they're all a little not your favorites. And I, I have to say, um, you know, Matt Dickendesher was the first runner up, and I think his feelings were a little hurt <laughs> by that comment. Now, I don't think anybody else is around anymore, but you, you might have to, you know, give some yeah. apologies to Matt Dickinson. Well, I didn't say I hated them. I just said none of them were, you know, they didn't wind me up. But then again, you know, I couldn't think of one myself. So who am I to, to be judgmental like that? So Matt, I apologize. I, I shouldn't yeah. have said that, especially since I don't even remember what it was. 
Matt said what it was. Corey, do you remember what? Galactic goings on or something? Was that the? All oh right. no, I don't like that one. I don't like. Yeah. That one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. What? Thirty-two like years it. later, we still don't yeah. like it. All right. Apology yeah. retracted. <laughs> Matt, we'll send you some eggnog too. Everybody, we piss off over the next ten months. We have to keep track and keep an eggnog. It's going to be a long list. Yeah. yeah. But the other runners up in order were Matt Dick and Desher, Dave uh, Les. How do you say that last name, Mark? You I never found out. I always, in my own head, said Lisi, but okay, it looks Italian. Yeah. Uh, Dave Simonak, Edward J. Young Jr., and David Fisher. There we go. We have a name. Next, we're going to kind of look at the Phil Singer's Forum um, articles for both September and October. So in September, we have the headline, Coming This Christmas, Galaxian Invasion 2. And uh, Tom reports that we're ahead of schedule. It's going to be ready to mail uh, December 10th. And it's bigger and more grand than Invasion 1. We're going to be introducing five managers, two female valets, and five awesome new wrestlers. And three of the new managers will be able to wrestle as well. Mark, what are your kind of your recollections of this big announcement? Did you get leaked any dirt ahead of time? I did not. Well, I can tell you, I know we're going to talk about it later, about the uh, masked assassins. Um, I don't believe I was told which, which uh, characters those were going to be. I know I saw he had the at least a Punisher, Galactic Punisher sketch that was sent to me. I don't know if it was between the i think it was between the september and october newsletters that i saw it and he he said this is not for publication the way i recall it i know mm -hmm. i saw some sort of a sketch for the punisher okay um but honestly i don't think i had much more inside info than anybody else would have gotten just from reading the newsletter um, but i do remember being intrigued by uh the managers and valets coming in because that was at that point a new element right right yeah, so then he, he wraps up his column for uh, September saying, we'll have a new manager coming in to take over the GWF. His name is Darkos, the head assassin, and he's bought out the contracts of four existing GWF wrestlers, and Darkos has formed his own evil band of wrestlers called the Masked Assassins. Can you guess who they are and who's going to stop them? So you did run a contest where people submitted some questions, and I think in the October issue we had... Uh, the official club pronosticator Earl Goodman, who predicted those guys, right? Uh, yeah, he was the one that uh, that I yeah I think he was the only one that got all four. Uh, yeah, there they are. So some people got you know two or three, but it's not like there were a ton of mass wrestlers at the time anyway. So by process of elimination, there might have only been what five or six. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, definitely though, I was I was a big Pit Viper fan, and I could not believe he turned. He turned and joined that group. That that cut me to the core. <laughs> so then, Those in the bookers know how to turn you there. Yeah, yeah, he he did it. He cut me right to the heart. So then, in the uh, the next issue in Tom's column, um, he's he mentions the Galactic Punisher, and he's got a message for all the rule breakers of the GWF. Um, he's a, a super cop from Cetus, where Omega. Uh, recruited him and he's coming after Thantos and the villains and definitely Bishop Hell and he's going to have two big finishers the verdict and the life sentence yeah I don't know guys what what did you think of the Galactic Punisher um you know Tim you you kind of got got him new like we did Mark thoughts on the Punisher 
he um yeah i'll agree with with tim except that you know there was a little bit of a slam on mesmer there not that you know sorry he didn't yeah. fit in with the good guys but mesmer a lot of people who know me know that mesmer was one of my favorites i was kind of that nostradamus guy in the old days there um have since grown up but you know back then mesmer was just the bomb for me but yeah the punisher um I don't know, a little bit of a carbon copy good guy, you know, law and order or whatever, you know, that was, but that was an eighties wrestling trope, you know, the, the, uh, Sergeant Slaughter types. And, you know, even though that's like a patriotic sort of angle on it all. Um, but the double finisher, you know, these little introductions that Tom would make, like, you know, now we got managers, you get double finishers, um, just this slow building up of things that would become kind of commonplace. But like we talked about last time, people who got into it later don't really realize how we would look at that and go ooh, like oh there's gonna be a ooh, and bishop hell got a dq finisher ooh, you know so uh you know seeing double finishers and and things like that was uh always sort of like what's this crafty phil singer guy got up his sleeve for the next one it really he was good very good at wetting your appetite for not just what was coming in the next edition but like what he could do what could come later I don't know if that put pressure on him or not, but uh, yeah, it, it, I, I do remember being as excited uh, just by the entire set as everybody else was. Or yeah, he, did, he did hint to it at a retirement in the FDF, which I thought was, you know, kind of, you know, telling too. Yeah, from what <laughs> I recall, I don't think I guessed any of that stuff right. I'm like, oh, Sam? Like, no. <laughs> didn't occur to me that Omega would be Omega or the Assassin's <laughs> I was off the mark. So I got better later at guessing things. <laughs> Galactic Punisher had legs. I mean, he he for guys who were later coming to the game like myself, he was all he was still pretty popular when guys were starting off and they, if they were doing it, you know, canon going through the years, uh he, he maintained his popularity with uh, new promoters too. So, I always kind of liked him. I liked him better as a good guy than when he turned heel. Oh, that's yeah. a controversial statement. It, it, uh, <laughs> I'm sticking by it. Corey, yeah. what do you think? I enjoy, you know, and of course, as we've talked before, I, I played much, started playing much later, but I did play the champion sets in order and it, it was cool to get that card. It was unique that it had the double finishers of different ratings. You know, we had Bishop Hell with the, the DQ finisher and then the uh, um, animal pack or Animan with the um, tag finisher. But I believe this was the first guy with just no gimmick finishers of different ratings if i'm yeah yeah and yep. uh and then he also had that kind of unique chart setup of three a's and then a ring of c which was just uh just compared to some of those cards in the first couple of sets was just a unique unique structure so i um he, he didn't do a ton for me in singles but i was always intrigued by the character and he and justice later were, were a great tag team for me interplanetary tag champs and uh really uh really enjoyed him as well Question: Were the interplanetary tag champs was that an officially sanctioned belt ever? Good question. Um, I don't oh. recall that it was, but okay. it, it might have been briefly. I'd have to look. Honestly, my memory is not real good on that. All right. Maybe most of this stuff. Maybe in about fifteen shows, when we get that far in, we'll figure it out in the yeah. <laughs> super reports. Why look ahead? Why? Yeah. No, nah, we got to keep people in the edge of their seats. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I really liked the Punisher. He kind of had this, with that plate thing on his head, he kind of had like a Robocop vibe. It, and I it was him, odd. But... Yeah, I'm sure that's what the 
that was definitely the inspiration. You could see it. But and and you're right, Corey. For somebody who, you know, wanted to punish the rule breakers, him having that ring of C was kind of unique because you know he wasn't willing to go to those depths himself. But I I really liked both incarnations of him, Stu. So when he became vigilante, I I love that team. They were they were trying to so. And then Tom wraps up his column by uh, hinting that there'll be some sneak preview art in the November issue. So we'll get to that uh, in a month or two. All right, Corey, I think you're going to talk about the Federation Fanatics of the Month. Yes. Um, so for the month of September, the first Federation Fanatic was Dave uh, Leslie. Is that how you said his name, Mark? Lelisi was in my Le- head, but I, I have no idea. Okay. Well, we'll, yeah, could be yeah. We'll go Keep with Lelisi. Yeah. Hey, call um, us if you're listening. Yeah. Long gone from the game, not necessarily right. from life. Yes. But, uh, okay. Not, yes. okay. I, I wish him a long life. Yes. We hope he's still around. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Dave at the time lived in Belford, New Jersey. And from the, the picture that's included here looks, you know, maybe, I don't know, 10, 11 years old or so. Um, but you can tell he is a definite fanatic. He talks about playing constantly. Uh, he says he does about a super card a week and uh, about 500 matches per year, um, which is just amazing. And uh, he's been writing a magazine. He's been talking the game up to his friends. This one line really intrigued me. He said, "Um, I have people so interested that I use wrestling figures so they can watch the matches. Um, nice job, Dave. <laughs> um, As opposed to my brother and I, who used to act out like the endings of them. <laughs> we did. We would do that occasionally. You asked my brother. Yeah, I was always the face. He was the heel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, just you know, before we go on to uh, October, any any you know remem- memories of Dave? Um, you know, connections, uh, co- uh, communication that you had with him, or uh, he was one of those stars that you know blazed brightly early on and kind of you know faded away. Because uh, I I don't really I remember thinking that even while the club was going on that he he wasn't a member throughout the the existence of the club. Um, I don't know exactly when he he tailed off, but. Yeah, um, just, yeah, he was there very active at first and then, you know, maybe a trickle and then just gone. So, you know, his uh, 500 matches a year, obviously, you know, he, he went for uh, the quantity at the beginning, not the, uh, it was a, a sprint, not a marathon to him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good good comparison. <laughs> Poor Dave. Yeah. <laughs> maybe his um, action figure wrestling in reenactments just took over so much he didn't have time to write anymore that's true i'm trying to be positive that boy grew up that boy grew up to be vince russo (laughs) (laughs) oh very good very good doesn't look anything like him so yeah (laughs) no no Um, and then uh, in October, our feder- uh, Federation fanatic was longtime promoter. I believe Stu mentioned that he saw them at uh, last week's um, perennial online. He logged on. He, okay. He, oh, I didn't sweet. See yeah. I, didn't I, see I, a, I saw his name. I didn't see his face. And I haven't, I haven't heard from him for a while. I used to communicate, him, communicate with him myself, but that's Mark Taggart. Uh, at the time, Mark lived in uh, Rantoul, Illinois. Um, looks like he's maybe, you know, maybe early high school or so from this picture, kind of hard to tell. Um, but I love his writing here. And if you know, Mark, 
this this doesn't surprise me too much that he writes this way. He says, I should be Federation Fanatic of the Month because, nah, too overused. The reason I should be Federation Fanatic of the, of the Month is that I try to get in all the happenings of the GWF. But that's just, that's just Mark's... Uh, you know, sense of humor and, and way of talking. He says he promotes on a once a day basis, has the best matches possible. And he talks about uh, some of the matches he has held and, and special matches that he's put together. Um, I believe that, uh, I, and getting a little bit ahead, there was a kind of a, almost a ringside companion put together for the Club Galactica members of specialty matches. And uh, I, I remember Chad shared that with me years later. And uh, and Chad's Chad had many matches in there, but I, I remember seeing Mark's name in there as well. I know one of his matches I have used, and for our upcoming um, Ringside Companion, uh, he he has influenced one of the matches that we'll be we'll be putting in there. So, um, but no, it's it's just it's kind of cool to see early on here that uh, that Mark Taggart was featured uh, for all the years that he's been with the game. Uh, he's done artwork for some characters that were released through the online promoter. Um, and Mark, any any um, memories of Mark Taggart at this age and stage? Well, looking at, I seem to remember that Mark and Chad and I are about the same age. We might even be, you know, all 1973 babies, if, if I recall correctly, or, or very close to that for sure. Um, yeah, but this is a guy who it was, it's obviously a marathon if he's, you know, still popping up here and there. Mark was sort of the the guy I would go to for the artwork early on, like his in later issues as, as we get through them, uh, his, his artwork was, was used a lot because I could say to him, Hey, can you draw me Lord Nexus, you know, doing such and such. And he was pretty quick about it. And, you know, they were good drawings, uh, certainly, you know, for, for a newsletter, like, like we uh, were doing. Um, but Mark, he had a lot of contributions. He was a pretty consistent contributor. So, um, he, but, uh, you know, unfortunately for Matt Dickendesher had a slightly better name for <laughs> the newsletter. Um, uh, but I, I will say Matt only slightly. Um, yeah, but, but Mark's, you know, he's a lifer even more than I am, I guess, but at this point, um, I just want to say, I think it's, I, I like this, uh, Federation fanatic feature. This was something that would carry on into the later promoter. Um, and just, uh, just kind of cool to see it here early in the stages, recognizing promoters and their creative ideas and, and their fanaticism for the game, even in these early years. So um, Tim's gonna talk next about the uh, Around the Galaxy feature. So we've got uh, promoters that would send in their results and it would go into this Around the Galaxy and uh, you know major results from GWF promoters. Um, Dan Mitchell actually uh, uh, made, made both with uh, Galaxy Bash number four and then Galaxy Bash number 10. Um, not sure what happened to the other Galaxy Bashes, but we had results from four and ten, so that's something. Um, along with in, uh, in, in the first issue, uh, Warren Wolf, uh, Matt Dickendesher, who raises his, uh, his, his head again, uh, Boyce Johansson, who was a big name back in the, the Super Report Daves, uh, Dave Lalisi, again, uh, if that is how you pronounce his name, uh, doing a big 30-man battle royal, won by Spike. David Fisher, another guy that was very big in the, uh, the, the Super Report uh, era. Uh, big Tower of Doom match for him. Uh, Randy Barning in the first, uh, the first one. Then the second one, like I said, Dan Mitchell pops up again. We got Dave Simonak, uh, Scott Ferenc, uh, David Fisher again, uh, Rob Man uh, Maniot Manachi. 
Uh, and then some, I, Chad Ol Olson, I think it is, from Leland, Iowa. He must be a uh, jughead. Yeah, some, <laughs> some, must have been light on results this month. Uh, for his Super Bash 88, which I'm sure uh, had nothing, was nothing like Super Clash 88. Um, Much better. Drew more fans in Super Clash 88, actually. <laughs> yeah. And, and money. <laughs> yeah. I actually paid the talent, too. But it was really good. I mean, it was, uh, you know, it, it was always fun, I thought, reading results and seeing what other people were doing. People were throwing together, you know, odd teams. Um, and, and we're clearly not following the, uh, the, the generic, or not the generic, but the, the, the general uh, format that, that kind of Tom had laid out. They were definitely, you know, setting their own path and going their own way. I guess I was kind of curious, Mark, did, you know, how did you uh, kind of pick the ones that would go in here? And was it just, you know, well, I got five results this month, so I'm putting them all in. Or was it was it more picking and choosing and, and trying to find the ones that uh, that seemed to make the most sense? Early days, I would say it was less. Well, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that, but I do know that there were certain months where you just didn't get a whole lot. Um, I would guess in the early days was because there wasn't as much. Uh, there weren't as many members. It was probably more the case then. I did try to. Uh, mix it up a little bit you know if there was somebody who hadn't been in yet i would try to kind of move them to the front of the line somewhat um or if they were doing an interesting card like this 30-man battle royal um that uh was in there it, things like that if if i saw something like that i would say oh, yeah that one's that one definitely needs to be in there but then it just came down to how much space was taken up by other stuff in the newsletter so i tried to keep it around a page uh which i guess is usually around seven or eight uh cards total i can say <laughs> i'm just looking at uh the way that I, I remember one of the big things for me was coming trying to come up with different words for defeated and so you'd get because a lot of people would just be like such and such beat this person such and such beat that person it's always beat 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 or defeated 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 some people would get creative with it but i would be trying to think of like okay vanquished um you know pummeled <laughs> just trying to come up with the verbs <laughs> <laughs> to make it a little more interesting but then i didn't want to imply something that didn't happen like you don't want to say pummeled if it was like a close match so um but yeah if if i could determine that from from the way the results were uh i would try to do that that wasn't as obvious or wasn't as i didn't employ it as much in these earlier newsletters but i do remember trying to think of of all the different verbs and coming up with my vocabulary using my words as parents say to their kids <laughs> Yeah, I always, I, I just always thought, I don't know what anybody else, I mean, you know, Chad, I don't know, but I always thought this was uh, kind of a real cool feature, and and it was always interesting just to see, I mean, some people had, would do a ton of special matches all the time, some people would have a bunch of titles that I never even thought of, they would have junior heavyweight titles, they'd have TV titles, they'd have, you know, just title after title after title, and it was just right. kind of fun, though, to go through the results, and and see exactly what what people had thought of and what they were doing. Yeah, I was. Yeah, like, there were definitely people that went off the reservation for sure, like you were saying. I always enjoyed reading the results, even dating back to those old newsletters that you know we've talked about before that Tom did. Because, um, a, I liked seeing how people mixed up the feuds and the tag teams and stuff, and then b, like you said, the titles. Um, and it looks like apparently I did have a junior heavyweight title for a little while. 
uh, between Beast Rider and Vanity. And I think maybe Incredible Badger might have been in that mix, and he probably dominated between those two and probably retired the belt or something. Um, but one of the, you know, somebody in here had, um, I can't remember which episode or episode, which newsletter it is, but there's like a mid galactic, you know, kind of a mid Atlantic knockoff. It's like, man, that's a great idea. You know, there's such, it was just really cool to see, um, you know, what, what people used for, for title names. It, it was very interesting. Some people, let's see, Dan Mitchell called his main belt, the galaxy title. So not quite the Galaxian. Mm-hmm. I see an intersolar system belt that was yeah. Parents, yeah. you know, kind of stuff. I bet a lot of it was could have been based on what promotions they were watching, or because this is back in the days you still had some regional stuff going on, right? So you know you would get those, you know, mid Atlantic, whatever it was, and that probably influenced a lot of people's naming of their uh, more the minor titles. And one of my favorites, and it's not in either of these, and I can't remember when I even saw it is. After a while, somebody had an NWA title, the Nebulous Wrestling Alliance. I'm like, that is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Occasionally, you'd get somebody sending something, and they didn't use GWF. They would use something like that, and that was the name of their their fed. They just didn't even go with it. So that's like, you know, page one of the handbook. Like, ah, I'm just not going to do that either. You forget about changing what, you know, who's the heels and the, the, the faces. I just don't even like the name of the promotion. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I, I did especially appreciate Simon X card. Uh, you know, where we called it the strangest card ever, and was going on about all these these. You know, I guess the wrestlers were forced into doing these these oddball matches. Um, you know, there's a tar and feather match, and um, and and all these kind of things. But the one that got me was. Uh, uh, Pit Viper destroyed Genghis Khan and drove a rusty nail into Khan permanently uh, as opposed to temporarily uh, this rusty <laughs> nail was going to stay there uh, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious how that ever ever should, no, should be on this like you know <laughs> <laughs> that is brutal yeah. Yeah. make you a little cranky to have a rusty nail permanently this is pre-ECW too <laughs> I hope you had a tetanus booster after that, man. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. Okay, Stu, I think you got the next questions or statements or do you doze off there? Too much gingerbread ale? <laughs> no, I'm with you. Uh, so next we're going to get into the history sections of uh, which we, we, we pick up with the September edition. And Mark, I'm just going to go with things that kind of interested me. And we'll see if you see if you remember them. <laughs> First of all, first of all, you were eerily prescient in that the uh, it's it's not quite the same, but in 2022 there was a great Asian famine that wiped out three quarters of that continent's people. So yeah, and I like how the when I looked at that again, I was like, the rest of the world was just like, ah, screw you, Asia. We're not going to help you. Three quarters of your population, the entire continent goes away. I was fifteen, so you know, yeah. Well, it's not COVID-19, but it it was still, you know, emanating from that part of the world. So, yeah, interesting. So we see, (laughs) you had no inside knowledge. The, uh, we see in the, in this first history section, uh, which picks up from uh, the super report prior to this one, or the newsletter prior to this one. 
Star Warrior and Omega are making their way around the galaxy uh, through time as well to find some allies in the battle for the future of the GWF. And Star Warrior is focused on first in the September edition, and he comes upon, uh, or he first meets up with young Sam Hoff, I guess, or Hoffs, I Hoffs, can't remember. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was going like Susanna Hoffs was the singer of the Bangles for some reason that name was in my head so yeah there that, you that's have literally it. yes that's that's where it came from I was like what's a good name Hoffs all right yeah that's good she's cute Commander <laughs> Sam inspired by Susanna Hoffs yeah so uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're already here folks and you wanted the straight dirt on this show right <laughs> I'm being you're straight here you. you are that, that's that's what we want. So he, he meets Sam and Star Warrior uh, commences to influence Sam or to win Sam over to join the GWF. And interestingly enough, I believe Hoffs made it into one of the official uh, handbooks as Sam's actual last name. So are you the credited creator with his uh, last name? I guess you oh, have I to. doubt it, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> you should have been. I take credit for a lot of reasons. <laughs> So, no, so Star Warrior convinces Sam to join the fray and join GWF. And then we move on <clears throat> to where Star Warrior travels back in time to meet up with the Greek gods. Now, you had the gods as actual gods in uh, of ancient times. Is that correct? Am I reading that right? That Yeah. That's <laughs> right. So, I mean, again, um, just I was trying to fit into sort of what tom had had written without you know having a ton of backstory this was me right. as i said in the last episode just trying to make my own backstory out of this if, if for nobody else other than myself so yeah i guess that was the direction i went well i wish it, i wish that tom had run with that it was pretty cool so <laughs> he, he, he meets proteus and eventually they get actagon to join and uh the dialogue between them is is very interesting it's very well written I'm, I'm impressed by all of Well, us. let me tell you, I knew my mythology. That All that stuff that's in there, somebody like, you know, my parents, are, yeah, uh, Proteus's parents, Oceanus and Tethys, that, that's yes. his parents, like, in, in Greek mythology. So I looked this stuff up, man. I do my research. Fabulous. I did not know that. I was curious about that, say but I, I did not know that. Well. So that, that's fantastic, Mark. Yep. <laughs> no, you do. This is all very, very well done. <laughs> So, certainly for your age. Well, matter of opinion. Anyway. So he could well he's real <laughs> straight on a curve. See? <laughs> I, I also like that you give uh Star Warrior a real name. Uh was there any inspiration behind was it Strontus Centurion or um, I mean, Susanna Hobbs was inspired. Rather noble. Yes. Yeah. I would say <laughs> Centurion was probably just it just sounded very, yeah, like majestic and you know very much you know the the hero type um and then you know strontus was just some sort of a you know made it you could morph it into star warrior with the st um probably that's that's where that came from um the nearer as i can recall anyway you're kind of glossing over something with uh where was it with the the greek gods thing another one you know i this just goes to show my level of detail. Actagon in Greek mythology is Actaeon. <laughs> I, I saw so that. <laughs> I had to come up with like, well, we can't call you that because people won't be able to pronounce it. You know, we'll just call you Actagon. So, you know, I'm the one. Tom is Greek. I'm not. He should have known this stuff. So I, I put it on me for explaining that part of it for you. <laughs> should have stayed Actaeon. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
<laughs> Excellent. Thank you for that. The promoters, it's this kind of detail that we're trying to give you, right. your, your, your action news team. So from there, Star Warrior, so he convinces the gods to join. So he's he's had a very successful trip so far. He's got Commander Sam as part of the, the good guy team. He now has the Greek gods as part of the good guy team. He goes for the trifecta, so to speak, if we count the gods as one. Uh, and he meets up with Massive, uh, who is a big-time power lifter, which I think that pretty much jive with I can't remember. I can't remember exactly Tom's backstory on Massive, but it seemed like he had similar. It was interests. he was yeah, yeah he was a power lifter on on series uh, the mm -hmm. asteroid so yeah that one I didn't have and to he make convinces that. no well it was good uh, <laughs> Massive Saron anything on his last name or was that just a yet another uh, centurion uh, series Saron there was probably some connection there because they're spelled very similarly um, it's the only thing I can think of for that one. How did you come up with your uh, financial system in terms of the credits? Winner's match first being 45,000 credits. Loser's salary is 27,000 credits. Uh, I Probably just taking into account that's like dollars and there was a lot of inflation by, you know, 100 years in the future. So. <laughs> probably I'm listening, Mark's never that. worked for an indie promotion. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we don't know what the credits to dollars conversion it's true. rate is. It's true. It could be like we a know. peso. <laughs> it can't be. The lira. <laughs> was, there any, was there anything like, you know, $15 and 20 for juice? I mean, is that, I, is that, is that the way it... Uh... I, I never went that far with it. I wasn't just the chart guy. <laughs> well, it's all uh, very... Go ahead, Mark. No, I was going to, I realized that uh, we didn't talk, when you're talking about Commander Sam, there's, I got to do a little bit of foreshadowing because I wrote this part after invasion, the first invasion had come out. Yep. And there's a little foreshadowing about a blast in there. There's a big, uh, there's yeah. a big Easter egg as the kids call them in there. Yeah. Now, so, okay. So yeah. is, is Adam Byrne is with the Susanna Hoffs thing. Is he named <laughs> after like David Byrne or anybody? But it could be. be. <laughs> I just I wanted something that had the Adam B. Yeah. At the end, I'm a Talking Heads fan. Um, more I so know. I, I figured you were. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, it probably was. I think I was just looking for something that just had the the B, so you get Adam Blast out of Adam Burn. You know, it was you know that kind yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I'm kind of proud of myself for throwing that little foreshadowing in there. I love it. It's awesome. I wondered that, and I'm glad you brought it up because I totally forgot it. But when I first read it, I wondered if you were doing that. That's very cool. The whole thing is very clever and very well written, Mark. You should be commend your how old you were self for writing this. I couldn't have approached this. Well, I would do it differently 32 years later. I'll just say that. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? <laughs> all right. So that takes us into the October edition of the Club Galactica Super Report, where we pick up with part, I believe, three of the history of the GWF or the Galaxian Federation history. So we now have, we've seen Star Warrior and his exploits to gain and recruit new members of the good guy team, the hero team. Now we pick up with Omega and Omega first travels to Neptune where he finds the uh, trio of Vanity, Beast Rider and Renegade. Uh, now was Vanity, 
I guess he was a, a good guy at first. Is that, I, he was, yeah. Yeah, we had to make up that the reason why he wound up turning on him. So it was pretty quick in the, the history, as I recall. Okay. So he very quickly converts uh, or convinces those that fine trio to um, join forces with the good guys, and they head off and they shake hands, and everybody's happy on that. And then we get into perhaps my favorite stable of the whole bunch, or in certainly GWF lore, which is he travels to Titan. And uh, the first thing right out of the gate, you talk about Omega, even with his strong legs, legs had a considerably difficult time walking and maneuvering on Titan. So is this, this is perhaps explaining uh, Lord Nexus's ability to leap because of the gravitational pull. Is that correct? Well, he meets up with the legendary Lord Nexus. Uh, again, you've given him a name, and I'm trying to find Here we go. Nexus Rednall? Rednall? Redonal? Mm -hmm. That's just alien type of name. Yeah, Rednall probably, if I had Bueller. to say that. My, my first instinct, yeah, who's to say Rednall? Sounds like a, you know, if you're, <laughs> you yeah. have problems with your prostate, ask your doctor yeah. about yeah. retinol. <laughs> Which at this point in our lives, we all do. We all do. <laughs> so it, it really appeals to me. This thing has yeah. legs. I actually was in a trial for retinol, but it's, yeah. uh, I got the placebo. It didn't really work. No. Well, he, he comes upon Lord Nexus working out in a gym. And uh, this is kind of a cool story, how Lord Nexus gets the Lord nickname. Uh, he's working out un underneath a big sign that said Lord's Workbench. And uh, Mark, just if you wouldn't mind going to a little bit of the story of how Lord Nexus got his nickname, at least in this part of the history that you proposed. Why not? Who knows if this is one where I have no idea if there's high gravitational pull on Titan. Probably <laughs> not because it's smaller than, you know, Earth, but um gotta make that you know it's just part of the suspension of disbelief as we like to call it in the theater so yeah sure that's Works that's for me um we have some more foreshadowing with billy joe boxer here um and yes billy joe boxer saw the the record uh universal record squat thrust that lord nexus did and his response was lord nexus billy joe boxer to me was always sort of like a Muhammad Ali type. So yeah. I could see him saying that kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. um, and again, we already had the first invasion set by the time that I was writing this. So, you know, again, I can throw in another character before he actually becomes a part of it and make that seamless uh, transition. But yeah, that's that's the story. Not a very good one, but it's a story. <laughs> <laughs> it is a story. <clears throat> and Lord Nexus is quite the... Uh... It has quite the leg strength, so we definitely get into that. He's squatting some immense amount of weight. I'm trying to find it here. Oh, well. 1575. Uh, uh, he, he holds a universal <laughs> record for a squat thrust at 1,575 pounds. So this guy's got some considerable leg strength, which would explain his, his amazing leaping ability. And we next, after we get the backstory of Lord Nexus and how he became Lord Nexus, we meet young Phelan Dugan, perhaps? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. And would that be young Pulsar, perhaps? Who became Vince Russo. No. Um, <laughs> it would be young Pulsar. Abe Lalesi. <laughs> That's him. Yeah. Yeah. 17-year-old. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, just get the young guy, you know, the, the, the gym rat hanging around. That's basically who he was. But, you know, eager to learn, eager to please, eager to, you know, impress his teacher. 
which he did, and uh, which he comes along for the ride when uh, Omega convinces Lord Nexus to join up. Uh, Phalon slash Pulsar is going to come along for the ride too. So we see we see the genesis of the Titan team starting to take uh, or starting to form, which is very interesting. And then Omega somehow, let's see, yes, he comes to meet, I believe, Pit Viper. I'm trying to find, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, trying to find his actual name. Bit of a history. Prentice Vintag. Yes, that's it. TV, you know, because I had a lot of imagination back then. For... <laughs> it works. <laughs> I'm a big fan of alliteration. <laughs> and PV's yeah. got a little uh, checkered yeah. past. He's uh, he's in trouble with the law when Omega meets him. Mm-hmm. But uh, decides to throw his lot in with Omega and, and come and join the GWF as well. Um uh, I think I think Omega bails him out. He does. Yes, he does. <laughs> Approximately, knows, three... you know, we went back to stand trial for whatever it was he did, but you know, I didn't get into that. Apparently, <laughs> I didn't know the legal system back then. I just knew how to make people's uh, real names match up with their character names. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you did well, and good gosh, it cost thirty three thousand five hundred sixty credits to get Vintag out of the slammer. So. Yeah. It, was, it was in there for something, my friend. So he gets, he, he springs Vintag. Oh, yeah, he got right in front of Omega. He got dragged down, yeah. This is really good stuff. So he gets, he gets Vintag, he springs Vintag. So he has the Titan Three, the original Titan Three of Lord Nexus, Pulsar, and Pit Viper. They are, they're all together. And we have this uh, great uh, reunion, if you want to call it that, uh, where Omega and Star Warrior were reunited on Terabitha. Uh, and bringing in all of their new recruits. And we see a lot of the hero team taking or coming together, taking shape, ready for war and battle against the villain team, leading us into, we are assuming part four of the hit part four of the history next month, but you know, Hey, well done, man. It, for the, for the time, this really filled in a lot of gaps and I'm sure people really appreciated it because it really fleshed out a lot of characters. Kudos. That's what it was designed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me looking back on it as the person who wrote it, yeah, I'm kind of like, oh, there's some cringe right there. But um, <laughs> just like quick explanations of things like, hmm, like I said with Actagon, you know, oh, people won't be able to pronounce that. We'll call you Actagon. How about that, kid? We'll, they'll just, yeah. We'll make it so that, you know, we, we don't go by your heritage. We got to make it easy for the, the mooks out there to, to be able to say your name. Oops. Uh, <laughs> Stuff, yeah, stuff like that, you know, it's just, but again, 15, I'll, I'll, I'll be kind to my old self on that, my young self, I should say. Hey, my English essays aren't here being dissected on a podcast, so <laughs> I, couldn't, <laughs> I, I couldn't have touched what you're doing, so very clever, very fun stuff, and I'm, I'm sure the promoters everywhere when they were reading this were thinking, you know what, this is pretty darn cool, so good stuff. Well, that concludes uh, our review of parts two and three of the history of the Galaxian Wrestling Federation. I'm going to jump in here with the uh, the fan forum, and uh, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about the first month, and then Corey can jump in on uh, month number two. But we also had a fan story in here uh, from, from Dave Simonak talking about, hey, should belts change hands on disqualification? 
and then goes through uh, different examples about what if somebody like Mutant got the GWF heavyweight title, he could just save himself every time he got tossed out of the ring because he had the big DQ of seven. Um, and, and really kind of goes through a well thought out uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, essay here about, uh, you know, should, should this happen? Should, should this be the way it is? And uh, you know, for, for us wrestling fans, I mean, it's kind of heresy, but uh, I thought it was kind of uh, interesting how he uh, kind of went through everything and, and uh, said, said, hey, you know, but, but let's see what we want to do with this. And, and actually, I, I guess, had, uh, you know, called, called for a vote here and, and uh, uh, actually got some, some things going about, uh, you know, some talk going about this topic. So I don't know, Mark, do you remember anything about that in particular? What I remember most about this is Dave Simonak had very strong opinions on everything. <laughs> so um, he, uh, as those who are, you know, linger longer folks will know um, without getting into it all. Um, yeah. And, you know, I read this over and I was like, well, you know, in Dave's defense, he's kind of got a point here. Um, why do we let this happen so much? And um, he put out, the, he said this thing, promoters control matches, not the wrestlers. Our job as promoters is to see justice and fairness is kept. By letting wrestlers save themselves, they will take over. Where's the lie, you know? <laughs> so, you know, maybe in a uh, retrospective way, you know, I, maybe I want to change my vote on that one. But uh, yeah, the fans, uh, promo fellow promoters didn't see it that way, uh, as, as we know from the next issue. Yeah, no, um, it was just kind of odd because, you know, so many, so many sports, you know, whether it's, you know, MMA now or boxing or anything like that, there's disqualification that counts. That's, that's still a result. And uh -huh. for some reason that, that, uh, and, and in the early, the, the, the pioneer era days of, of wrestling, that, that still mattered. Disqualifications were, were a title change and, and uh, somewhere along the line, they figured that it'd be, you know, better business if they they uh, went away from that um but when the I, I i i when i was reading through this i was like well you can't do that you can't have times change and you know i mean it but it's it's funny how things become kind of hit, written into your history when when uh you know this is kind of the sport that you're following so and then i thought you know the fan forum issue thing was kind of nice because i always thought that was kind of a cool way to just kind of write in, ask questions, or maybe pass along some thoughts or do some, you know, just, just bring some issues up. Um, we had uh, Chip Fitzenrider, uh, Bryce uh, Barattle, and uh, David Fisher. Uh, David Fisher with a, uh, a blockbuster announcement uh, that, that Killer Queen uh, was really a woman. Uh, and surgeons disguised her as a man so she could wrestle in an all-male federation. Uh, so th this was definitely a little out of the box thinking here by uh, by David. And um, uh, you know, it, it, it was it was pretty funny. I, 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 I reading through this, I was like, that that's kind of crazy, but you know, okay. Um, Hundred years in the future, who knows? Yeah, yeah you never know. You never know, right? Um, how 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 this got caught? I don't want to know. Um, but, uh, <laughs> was just kind of a unique theory and a unique idea. And, um, and then finally you had a new member, Mark Robinson, who would, I was apparently out there doing bootlegs, uh, in, in, for NWA guys, 
because he had the, the Rock and Roll Express and Ric Flair and the Cheetah Kid, among others, um, that, that were uh, uh, visiting wrestlers uh, in, in, in his, uh, his fed. So, um, and even noted that the Rock and Roll Express beat Mutant and Splatter to win a $5 million tag team tournament. Uh, which is good because the Rock and Roll Express are just a great babyface team against a team like Mutants and Splatter. So I, I think that makes perfect sense. So, um, but I just thought it, it, it's just kind of a cool little little thing to write in and, and ask some questions. Um, Bryce was talking about uh, some some questions just on your history uh, that that you had written. Um, you know, Chip went into more things that were kind of going on in in his Fed and things that were kind of uh, you know, happening there. It was just a nice little uh, kind of catch-all for, for people to kind of write in and share either some questions or some, some, uh, some interesting things that were happening with them. Um, um, any, any recollections from that? You're correct in that it was just sort of the, the galactic miscellany. You know, it was things that didn't really, they weren't in, you know, around the galaxy results. Like, you know, you wouldn't talk necessarily about uh, killer queen you know originally being a woman in your fed results but when you see something like that you go that's news print it so what am i going to do with it <laughs> so you put it in something like this which is just yeah it's just your grab bag uh like you say so uh i do remember thinking that that was just kind of like the uh the interesting little bits you know like page six kind of sort of <laughs> things to to just uh to make a earth-based analogy there but yeah. Uh, yeah those were always kind of fun you got you got some interesting people out there because you know like we've said before barely anybody was following the book by this point there was mm -hmm. there were very few people who were going the exact phil singer games canon so uh you had plenty of opportunity for for fun stuff like this okay Corey, do you want to uh check in on the next month here yep absolutely uh so in the october issue um first of all on page one uh we have um in Mark's column here, a response to Dave Seismanak's uh, question about should titles change hands on a disqualification? And Mark writes in all caps, no, belts should <laughs> not change hands on a disqualification. Um, it's it, it just kind of fun to read people's responses as to why not. Uh, many said that the rule would make little impact and the titles would be tainted um, if awarded on a disqualification. So Mark suggests that make them wrestle in a Titan death match uh, so that there's a, a clear cut winner. Um, and then at the bottom of page one, we have the uh, picture, the artwork from the original PWI ad for the game. And uh, you have promoters guess who the, uh, the characters are. Of course, we have Invincible Kraken, Star Warrior with his mask, which later became Avenging Warrior. Uh, Massive without any gear or anything on. Uh, Massacre. And then Renegade with his, his spiked outfit. Um, and I, I just like how you have the you know, guess who they are, and then look ahead to page three, you find the answers on the bottom of page three. So kind of a fun little uh, little game there for promoters. Um, I wonder if anybody ever had trouble figuring out who the five guys were, you know, I mean, obviously Star Warrior, maybe because of the mask. I recall Renegade was the one that, that people were like, who the heck is that? But then yeah. the pose would be like, oh yeah, it's Renegade's pose. So yeah, I'll give it to you. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, that's okay. But his I... look is different as far mm -hmm. as, you know, kind of looks more like a gladiator now, so yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what I remember too from this. I'm like, who the heck is like? I didn't know who that was. Yeah, yeah. Um, because, so. yeah it doesn't look anything like Renegade. No, no. It, it looks like like a mini Lucha version of Spike, kind of. Yes, <laughs> Spike Cito. Yeah. <laughs> See. 
<laughs> or even like wolf i mean it even looks a little bit like a wolf little bit with the long hair and yeah. everything and yeah and, uh, um so then we come to this month's fan forum on the bottom of page four um kind of one of the uh, the bigger highlights here is uh, after the announcement in the previous issue of the masked assassins and the arrival of darkos uh, Earl E. Goodman uh, predicts who the uh, the masked assassins would be, and he calls it right with Executioner, Death Knight, Splatter, and Pit Viper. So nice work, Earl. Um, and there's a couple other predictions by other promoters in there, uh, getting a few of them. Uh, one one fun prediction from Dan Mitchell, he guessed that Bishop Hell would be a masked assassin. Uh, did people see him as a, a masked guy, or was he just kind of kind of guessing on a new storyline, maybe? I guess that was, you know, you could see him as one of the masked people. I think that was yeah. sort of the genius of Tom is you could kind of, he had plausible deniability in a lot of things. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Bishop, I mean, he's sort of masked. He's sort of a Klansman, you know, who knows? Sure. <laughs> I, I remember like seeing Dave's thing about Darkos being number four. Cause I, you know, I'm like, oh yeah, Darkos could wrestle. But then, sure. you know, Tom and his thing did say he bought four contracts, but I, overlooked that in my exuberance yeah <laughs> yes not um, that big of a swerve <laughs> <clears throat> and then our uh, our our super fan dave lalisi uh get, writes in talking about some happenings in his fed and this one caught my eye i was thinking this was in the results page i was trying to find it earlier but it's it's actually here in the forum where he talks about having three-man tag team belts with um uh, the Annie men holding those, but then Dave also had four man tag team belts, which were held by the, uh, the FDF. Um, and, and kind of fun here. He says that, so the Annie men were the three men champs with Wolf and the Greek gods on their tail. I wonder if they're pun intended. I don't know. Um, and then, <laughs> and then, <laughs> thank you. Um, then the four man tag team belts belonged to the FDF, but right behind them was Wolf and the Annie men. So you had Wolf and the Annie men, teaming up for one championship and feuding over another that's that just unique and and again we're only two sets in so not a ton of what well, we had 30 36 wrestlers um and dave here is promoting both three and four man tag team belts so must have been a lucha fan yeah, definitely some people that I, I would like to borrow from over you get a belt and you get a belt <laughs> yeah. i did see those results a lot there were just some people who were like ah oh, title mania going on <laughs> so i i know he didn't have five man tag belts because he didn't have that many action figures he only had eight there you <laughs> go that's right that's right yep yep had to, had to draw a line somewhere right right so he's like i can only i can only sanction eight man belts or four man belts see that's what, like that that's the nomenclature you know because in quote unquote real world wrestling you know those were called six man belts right that's correct but then here people would call him three man and he wasn't the only person who would do that and it kind of makes more sense because the six man title is held by three guys you know i always thought that was interesting how people would some would call right. it three man some would call it six man well and i think a big part of the at least in here the three man wasn't didn't tom list the rules for a match as three man tag team match so i think they were they were kind of sticking yep. to the book there so yeah, right. yep so um, and then at the end of this section here, uh, Mark puts in an announcement. He says he'll be compiling some of Club Galactica promoters' strange happenings. Um, he gives some examples where his henchmen are Executioner and Reptilo instead of Executioner and Comrade Terror. Uh, you've got Genghis Khan and Splatter feuding with Mutant and Invincible Kraken. So anything's like strange tag teams, title changes, supercards. 
Um, the weirdest will be printed next time. So on our November review, we have some weird things to look forward to here. So uh, yeah, I, I really like this, the, the forum here and just kind of a collection of, of things, like you said, Mark, not really related to results, but just other goings on, so. And, and Mark, if we uh -huh. haven't addressed this in the past, exactly how did you pronounce Kraken? Originally Kraken, but then I heard Tom say it and immediately recognized the error of my ways. <laughs> so those of you who know, well, I wasn't doing the job that I currently do at the time, but I was very attuned to pronunciations. And so as soon as I heard him say it, then it was, it was off. But then there's other people who would say massif instead of massive because it's technically a French term. So I, I ran it first person. I think it was one of the Canadian people said massif. And I was like, what drugs are you on? Because <laughs> and no, it's, it's how you say it in you know, French. So, um, but yeah, I was, I was cracking originally. Can't trust All those right. people. So, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So Stu's going to discuss uh, the, the rankings for these uh, two issues. Stu, take it away. And before we get to that, whatever happened to Tom Hickey and his wonderful physique? <laughs> <laughs> I think he I was just joined somebody the club. Would so bring that, up. that guy is ripped. That was supposed to go to a different forum in a different newsletter. Yeah. yeah I, think, I, think that was for I the want to know forum. what poopery yeah. was that? Where was, why was that in there? <laughs> no, here's here's my question. He says, "I keep a great physique all year round, and I love to pro wrestle myself." I love to pro wrestle. <laughs> I think he's, but I, I, it's like, all about the comma right there. Yeah, is uh, he pro wrestling himself or something right. else? That's that's like an indie show Direct today. Quote. He was a years ahead of himself. Oh my <laughs> yeah. gosh, Tom, we hope you're out there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So many uh, people on these damn boards use all these false names. I don't know who anybody is. So I, you have no clue. I yeah, mean, everybody be... in this newsletter could be on the discussion board. And if you are, God bless and let's hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> let's, but, let us know. I'm sorry for but, making but, fun but, of you if you still look like that these days. If yeah, you still look like, like that, don't hurt me. Yeah, yeah please, <laughs> please don't put any pictures on the discussion board, though. <laughs> Uh, the ranking stayed between September and October. Uh, there was a fair amount of stability. First, of, and, and how were, the, were was there any scientific calculus or calculus behind the rankings, Mark, or was it just you got so many points for? Uh, 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 how were the rankings derived? Yeah, I think by this point, because I was up to top twenty, I must have been doing the point system. Uh, I know it was champion got eleven, and then I would do top ten. Um, but then um, if <clears throat> there were a lot of people that would just give champions. So uh, at some point when I had, when there were more members uh, and I had more results to draw from, then I just went strictly to champions because I had enough where you could <clears throat> plausibly make that. And then if there were like, let's say you got down to number 14 and you exhausted all the people who had any championships or all the teams, then you would just go, okay, who's number one or who's, you know, the, secondary title holder it was there was yeah some calculus i guess is a, a good way to describe it but um <clears throat> i do i do know that it was in the early days here it was definitely point based as much as could be done by you know people giving me either top top 20s top fives or just champs well, the um in september in the singles division, we had Star Warrior as champion, and then the top five ranked wrestlers after that were Thantos, Wolf, Bishopel, Massif, Massive, 
<laughs> and the invincible Kraken, Kraken, Krakan, however which way you want to pronounce it. Those were your top five in the singles. In, in the tag team division, the Gladiators uh, were the champions. Number one contender was the Greek Gods, followed by the Animan of Andromeda, Titan Power, the Henchmen, and the Norse Gods. Uh, down five. from four. Don't down, down from four and above Star Warrior and Omega. That's interesting. All right. So let's, in October, what did we have? Let's look at the rankings there. It looks like, Mark, you were uh, lamenting the fact that Star Warrior remained champion over Th Thantos. Why, why is that, my friend? Well, probably just because I like change. I'm, I'm one of those kind of people that like seeing stuff get mixed up. I'm not into dynasties and, and that sort of thing. So, um, And I was more of a Thantos mark than a Star Warrior mark. Uh, just always was that way. Uh, so yeah, I was I was a little upset probably at that point that Thantos didn't break through and and uh, pull a Ric Flair out. Well, it was darn Warren Wolf whose rankings barely pushed yep. Star Warrior and Thantos to remain GWF champion, which made you quote so at least you pull your hair out. Fix it. Yeah. No, you didn't fix it. You were you were honest. Yeah. Uh, you mm -hmm. you stated right there that that's why Star Warrior nudged Thantos. So our our rankings in the singles world, Star Warrior remained as champion in October. The top five contenders were Thantos at number one. He remained number one. Bishop Hell was number two, up from number three in September. Third ranked contender was Massif, who was up from number four from the prior month. Number four was Wolf, who was up from number two. I'm a little surprised. Uh, nah, top five is a pretty good accomplishment. But, or actually, Wolf was down for number two, so... Um, did Wolf was just out of my curiosity? Did he win a bunch of uh, or win some championships in Club Galactica? How popular was Wolf back then? I know Wolf was a popular character. I don't have good memory. I mean, I could go back through the issues and confirm it. I don't want to yeah. say without knowing for sure. I know for me, Wolf didn't break through to be a heavyweight champ for many years. Like that was just the, the thing. So it didn't surprise me that he didn't, he wasn't one of the top people, but he probably was, uh, you know, way up there. Like people who liked Wolf really liked Wolf, you know, that was, yeah. they just were the, you know, Jim Carantonis wearing the Wolf shirt, still the baby blue, powder blue Wolf shirt. I don't know if he still has it or anything like that, but um, yeah, the Wolf, the Wolf marks were were big, but I'm kind of surprised they didn't push him as far as, as they could have. Maybe there were just people like me who he just never did it for. Yeah. Interesting. Spike rounds out the top five. He jumped uh, three spots. He was up from number eight uh, in the previous rankings in September. In the tag team division, the Gladiators uh, maintained their stranglehold on the championship, and I suspect that stayed that way for a while. I mean, we're only into October of 88, but I would think they were the dominant team of the day. Uh, yeah. The Greek gods maintained <clears throat> their number one contender ranking, followed by the Hitchman, Titan Power, the Animan of Andromeda, and number five, the Norse gods, <laughs> maintaining their number five <laughs> position. The heck's going on with the Norse gods? <laughs> they sucked for me. Well, you're you're missing. I don't. Maybe maybe I'm maybe I'm jumping here. But if you look at the September uh, uh, issue, the rankings, Pulsar jumped from seventeen to seven, and then he held it the next month. He held he number seven. 
Yeah. And that became, yeah, that became something, you know, people were saying, well, how did Pulsar do it? And, you know, he was just getting a push from a lot of people, apparently. Didn't for me, but yeah. Well, you think too, Greek gods are fighting the Norse gods. And for a lot of people, obviously, Greek gods are champions. So if the Norse gods win some of those under Mark's system of holding the titles, they're going to jump up there. Because you can also see in October's rankings, Beast Rider's in at 17. And, yep. you know, Jughead Chad Olson had him in his, as his junior heavyweight champion, as is <laughs> demonstrated by the card results. So maybe that one title got Beast Rider into the <laughs> top 20 rankings. So I'd like to take credit for that 30 years yeah. later. Thank you. <laughs> nice work. Nice is, work. I believe what that was Jughead heavyweight champion. Yes. <laughs> well, I know that, I, you know, in, in, you know, Chad and I were talking about this, uh, uh, but, you know, the, the Gladiators for when they first came out really weren't that much better than the gods. I mean, right. they, you know, with anything, I mean, they were fairly even, um, you know, when they became the ultimate gladiators, you know, which I'm sure we'll get to down the road. Uh, but, but when they became the ultimate gladiators, then they were just super tough. But at this point, it was really anybody's ball game. I mean, I think the Greek gods were right there with them. Um, especially, you know, now having gone back and, and played a lot in 87, 88. Um, I mean, I can, I can see that those two teams are just really close. I mean, there's not a lot of, of separation there between the gladiators and everybody else. Like there was when they became the ultimate gladiators and, and, uh, really kind of, you know, pushed the, the, the limit a little bit. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of surprised that they, although, it was a road warrior era too. And, and everybody loved that. So I'm sure they were getting pushed and getting title matches all over the place too. So I, it, it kind of makes sense, I guess. Well, plus the other thing, you know, and Tim and I mentioned this when we were chatting on the phone the other day, because I think Tim did this and Mark, I remember massacre having a good singles run for you. He was a big time yeah. guy for you. Yeah. Right? He was my champ. Oh, yeah. yeah. He was, he was definitely a champ for me. Uh, I broke up, I turned Massacre face fairly early on and uh, Brute and Spike were kind of like, you know, they, they were a tag team for a while for me, but yeah, Massacre had, had a real good singles run for me. Yeah. So there was a lot of folks I think who were tag tagging up Brute and Spike who maybe on paper might've been the better team at that time before the ultimate gladiators. I don't want to commit heresy to anybody, <laughs> but um, you know, for me, the gods always had it over the gladiators. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't even close. So probably in this ranking, this could represent people teaming Brute and Spike or doing some kind of freebird type rule as well. Mm -hmm. Right, Mark? Yeah. yeah. It, um, sometimes people wouldn't specify if I just saw Gladiators of Aethra, I just, Gladiators of Aethra, that's what it was. Yeah. That so, concludes the rankings analysis, Chad. All right. <laughs> So, um, you know, one other thing, this isn't on our script, but as we do, we don't always stick to the script around here. Um, so, Mark, lately, Tim and, and I have both been doing a little bit of a kind of an 87 replay and, and using some of those guys and just kind of rolling out some matches for the fun of it. It's not, not, a, not a reboot. Um, but one thing we discovered, you know, like you, we had the original one of the original 500 printings of the cards. Um, and now for this project, we're both using the newer 
at least I am. Are you, Tim? I'm, I'm using I'm using the originals. I'm oh, using okay. My my five hundred one of the five hundred sets. Okay, so um, but we we had this conversation, you know, and, and I think you'll remember it, Tim, when I get to my freaking point. But Mark, at any time, did you time. ever switch out the the up the five hundred for one of the updated second printings? I never had any of the other printings, to be honest. Okay. Okay. So every any time it was any of those original cards before they got updated, it was yeah, it was one of them. I still have them, so you know I put them on yeah. eBay if somebody wants to pay <laughs> oh, you know, three hundred dollars for it. Whole, yeah, people. <laughs> well, you'll have takers. Hold my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, my whole my whole point of this diatribe is that when when Tom did that second printing and revised some of those guys, obviously things jump out like Vanity's pin got worse you know, but as you look at some of those things, it really spread out guys that I would say were clumped in the mid card and made them even worse. So the guys like a pit Viper, um, Paul saw beast rider death, you know, kind of the, uh -huh. the, the bottom four to start with. Um, they got even worse because of that, because he, he, you know, some of them had like two B's and two C's and they got three C's and a B, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, holy cow, these guys are, some of these guys are really bad. <laughs> it, it's just something I've noticed as I've been playing with these guys. So um, I just wanted to check in on your opinion. And uh, yeah, I guess if you want to contact Mark to purchase yeah, that oh, thing. They're not for sale. No, okay, they're not for sale. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm not selling yeah. mine. You'd have to also put up with the fact that I wrote on uh, Comrade Terrors. I mean, I gave him a double <clears> finisher <throat> before the double finisher was cool. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, not, not writing not, on it, the cards. I wrote on the card in pen. Yeah. Oh, pen. Sacrilege. <laughs> no. Uh. <laughs> I know. Oh I just God. reduced. I just halved its value. Yeah, it's only down, you're only going to get a buck quarter now. Yeah, so no, <laughs> I mean, unless yeah, my yeah. handwriting, my, my 15 year old handwriting counts or something. Grant, Grant's canceling his direct flight to Maryland right now. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think Grant Bachoco was going to make you an offer. <laughs> oh boy. Well, he was. Okay, Grant. Let's talk. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, we just want to thank you again for um, joining us, Mark and. I think we can say now we've we've signed an exclusive long-term contract with Mark. He had such a good time. This is the highest paid contract in the history of Uncharted Territory. Um, he's nobody he's else making paid. twice what any of us are. Yes. Uh, off of this. Mark yeah. has agreed to come back and review these on a, a semi-regular basis. Uh, review the Club Galactica Super Report. So we're really excited about that. So he must have had a little bit of fun last time. So thank you, Mark, for coming on and sharing your memories of this people have been really excited there's been a lot of good feedback from your appearance on yeah, our last episode well i'm i'm glad you know it's a great hang it's a great hang it's good to you know be with y'all so um so we're going to get into shout outs mark i'll let you go first you got something coming up this weekend we're going to get this episode dropped before february saturday february 6th um why don't you tell us about what you yeah. have going on you mentioned it last time but let's hit it up again yeah, uh, well, for those who listened last time, uh, or for those who didn't, uh, I am a director of a uh, nonprofit uh, theatrical group here in Western Maryland. We're called Acting Out for ALS. We are a charity. We raise money specifically to uh, help people in our community and the region at large uh, who are dealing with some of the added expenses of getting a diagnosis of 
Lou Gehrig's disease because lots of things like uh, 24-hour nursing care or home improvements or accessible uh, out because my mother uh, had ALS and uh, we saw what it was, what it um, did to her, not necessarily financially, but we could see that that sort of uh, the struggle. So uh, because we normally stage in-person theatrical performances it, during COVID times here, we haven't been able to uh, do that. So we've had to get creative. And one of the ways we've done that is by basically doing a film. And it's, a, it's based on a play. It is a play called What I Want to Say But Never Will. Uh, it's basically a lot of monologues. And it was exclusively, uh, the cast is made up exclusively of uh, local people here uh, who I've worked with before mostly. Uh, and they're monologues uh, by teenagers. The premise of the show is, it was uh, the playwright is a, an English teacher and he asked his students and other young people across the country the question, if you could say something to someone um, and you didn't have to worry about the consequences, about how they'd react if they you know, get into a fight or be disappointed or cry or whatever, what would you say? Who would you say it to? But why do you feel like you can't say that? And the fact that these are more or less the real responses of young people back from, it was written in 2009, but a lot of it is still topical today. Um, we came at it from the standpoint of uh, my older son, Nathan, when he had his uh, depression diagnosis and bipolar uh, two diagnosis, it made us as a family have to communicate a lot better so um, we're, we're in a really great place now. He's off of college. He's loving it. So, uh, you know, it's it. I think our experience speaks to the fact that if you, especially as a parent or a mentor figure, if you don't approach it as my way or the highway, if you actually listen to understand and not just listen to respond, that you can actually uh, learn a lot about who you are as an adult. Um, and so these are a lot of monologues uh, put together in, and we did it as a film. We didn't do it like, you know, us in Zoom squares here. We didn't do it as, you know, a stage show, just one camera shot. We shot this like a film. Uh, everybody who was involved in it did their own cinematography. And I got to be honest with you, some of it's kind of amazing. Uh, but all these, all these people are, you know, high school to college age. And I just finished the final edit on it. And I've, I came close to crying about five or six times just watching what we did with this. It is, it's a lot of it is funny, but there's so much that you, you can recognize uh, in people that you know. Uh, and uh, I think that there's, there's something in this film for, for a lot of folks. So what we're doing to present this is we work with a company called Broadway On Demand. And they are offering this as a 24-hour streaming event uh, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern time on Saturday the 6th, February 6th. And basically you have 24-hour access to it until 3 p.m. on the 7th. Uh, we did that because Super Bowl. And uh, so what you, you can pay one price. Uh, the total of our portion and the, uh, the streaming services portion is $9.95. Um, and our portion of it goes directly to our mission of supporting people with ALS, but I got to tell you, you're, if you uh, tune in and, and watch this, it's about a two hour movie and you're going to see, you're going to recognize somebody from your life in this, in this film. And I'm just so impressed with what these young people gave me. It's really hard to direct remotely, 
in most cases with this, but uh, they came through. And I got to tell you, it's it, this is not just like a community theater thing. You are going to see some amazing performances from some amazing young people. So watch it, enjoy it, and hopefully you uh, open up the lines of communication, especially with young people in your life. So, Mark, um, first of all, that sounds incredible. I'm really excited. I have it marked on my calendar to view this. Um, what's, you know, if you were rating this, what what's an age range? Who would be acceptable to, to watch this? You know, I have 11-year-old twins. Is it a little too deep for them? or? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I would say middle school, you know, ish area. Okay. It talks about things, you know, there's, there's a lot of heavy topics in it. There are things like kids who are self-harming. There are kids who are in toxic relationships, kids who uh, are, you know, abused by parents, kids who have thought about suicide or attempted it. Um, not to say that that is the entire tone of the, of the show, but there are right. those kind of topics in it. Language-wise, it's not too bad. I mean, it's, it's basically like if you feel like you could have that sort of conversation with your kids, Mm -hmm. then it's it's probably appropriate for you there's no like heavy duty sex talk there's no lots of foul there's like a word here and there and it's not even it's like stuff you can hear on tv mm -hmm. primetime tv so uh but yeah like middle school and up and i don't if i didn't mention it in my long thing there you can go to acting out for als.com which is our website we have a button to uh to click on to uh, go to the link to uh, pre-order or on the day of you can just purchase it on the 6th if you want to all right that sounds that sounds really Really awesome. awesome. I'm looking forward to that. I think it, it's my favorite project. We've done 11 musicals and one other online show. This this is probably up there uh, as has got to be my, you know, top two, maybe my, my favorite thing that we've ever done. Cool. That's awesome. Before I get into the other shout outs, anybody else going around the room have anything? Nope. The crowd goes mild. Okay. So <laughs> one thing um, I'd like to... Uh, I got I got one whenever you're done. Go uh, okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. You're you're dealing with a lot. No eggnog. I want to give the floor is yours, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to tell Pete Fusco, I believe it is Fusco. We do love Italians and uh no discrimination against Italians. We love Italy. Don't take it personally, baby. And good night, Denmark. <laughs> yeah, once you phonetically spelled it, it clicked. I'm like, oh, it's just like foosball. So I got it now. You did. Yeah, so I apologize. I apologize, Pete, for mispronouncing your name for 25 years because you are a good guy and I like you. So we're, 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 going, we're going down. It, it, it is Fusco, just like foosball. It is. All right. Um, I want to give a shout out to, to Grant. He did a fundraiser pay-per-view on YouTube for the Tragostez Hall of Fame over the weekend. He raised 150 bucks. Um, and it was, it was a fun time. We, you know, I sat down, watched it live and I don't know, there's about half a dozen of us on there watching the live stream. It was a really good time. There's some fun matches. Um, Jim Londos against Baron Von Raschke, which I, I didn't think would be a, you know, that might be a mismatch of styles. A lot of fun. Um, the finals were Jack Briscoe versus Danny Hodge. Um, very fitting. You know, you had the NWA junior heavyweight champion, the NWA world champion and, and, uh, I guess I shouldn't spoil it because I think you can still purchase it. It is it is recorded, but it was it was a really good time. So thanks, Grant, for thinking of that fundraiser for the Hall of Fame. Um, yeah, and I think that's all we have for tonight. Uh, thank you all for listening. Corey, did you have something? Yeah, I just wanted to echo the compliments for Grant and continue to plug his podcast, the Phil Singer Games Fan Podcast, every Friday. Um, he's just done some great 
I, I, as I don't know, I said it on a previous episode, but I never thought I would enjoy listening to someone play Champions of the Galaxy or Legends. And Grant makes it so entertaining. So, so just you can hear his play-by-play weekly. Uh, he's got a weekly matchup for his uh, podcast championship. I think he calls it now. So, mm-hmm. um, it's just really fun to hear him play COTG online. And uh, also make sure to check out Sam Fain's King of Pro Wrestling podcast. A great supporter of the game and a great community builder with the recent online conventions. Uh, so keep up the great work, both of you guys. And yeah, uh, they can find their links in the podcast notes. You can also find links to the, uh, to Mark's production coming up this weekend. That's going to be in the podcast notes as well. So make sure to click on all those links. Tim. Yes. And uh, just, just a quick, quick thing here. I uh, just want to say uh, thank you to Chad and his daughter uh, for hooking me up with some Girl Scout cookies um, and apparently, uh, Chad, uh, Chad's daughter uh, has one of the uh, greatest uh, mouthpieces in pro wrestling history out there, uh, shilling uh, for her uh, for her cookies. Uh, her she does. Troop. So, Chad, you wanna you wanna fill us in on that before we uh, sign out? Yeah, thank you, Tim, for reminding me. You know, so. Um, I, I've had the, the pleasure of meeting uh, Thunderbolt Patterson through the Tregosthes Hall of Fame. And, um, you know, when, when he came in for his induction in uh, 2019, I was kind of the point person, communicated with him. He was really excited because it brought him back to his um, hometown, Waterloo, Iowa. And uh, it just become friends with him. And, you know, I, touch base with him eh, about every other month, you know, just check on, see how he's doing. He lives out kind of in rural Georgia and stuff and checking on the pandemic. And he follows me on Facebook and, you know, bless his heart. uh, We post stuff about our kids or our dogs and he'll give it a like and he'll share it. And um, my wife, uh, Emily put a little, little picture up of, of Catherine because of course this year, Girl Scouts cookie sales are all virtual. We're not doing the in-person booths where they hang out at a grocery store. They're not going to people's place of work or anything to sell. And um, so put a little picture and video up of Catherine and Thunderbolt. And you may, you know, if you're a longtime fan of Georgia Championship Wrestling, his his kind of signature promo was, you know, you better call somebody. So Thunderbolt posts out there, uh, Girl Scout cookie baby girl taking orders call everyone that you know and let them know baby girl is taking orders <laughs> and I'm just like, that is the greatest thing to have thunderbolt patterson cut a cookie promo for my daughter so if anybody needs cookies let me know i'll send you the link um you know if you if you live in the central Iowa, which aside from iowa oaks you, you don't um you know we'll, we'll deliver them but otherwise we can have them shipped to you i i did tell tim that he's lucky because there are different Girl Scout cookie bakeries. So the cookies you get in one part of the country are different from the ones you get in the other. And, um, and, and they may got, be called different things too. They, they're called different things. Because the yes. caramel delights in, are, are in some places and, and Samoas in others. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, so they have different, different names in different places as well, but you get different options. Yeah. So yeah, because when I sent the link to Tim, that was the first time I had read it. And it said, you know, you will be assigned to a bakery based on your location. So I think where Tim is, he gets the, I mean, both lemonade cookies are good, but I prefer the powdered sugar, small lemonade cookies that they have on the East coast. So I might have to 
Tim, I might have to order some through you and then have you bring them to me. So here we are bootlegging cookies across state lines here on uncharted territory. It's an illegal cookie trade. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I think we've definitely jumped the shark with this episode. So I think we'll wrap up and uh, say goodnight to everybody. We do appreciate you listening and we look forward to talking to you soon. Take care, everyone. The 2021 George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend takes place July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa. Come see many of the legends of wrestling and the future stars of the sport. This year's award winners include former WWE and UFC star, the world's most dangerous man, Ken Shamrock. Former WWE champion and Olympic powerlifter, Mark Henry. Six-time former WWE women's champion, Trish Stratus. And the dean of professional wrestling, Gordon Soley. And this year's 2021 Hall of Fame class features Iowa's own Earl Wampler, former NWA World Tag Team Champion Don Kernodal, and former WWE Tag Team Champion and Manager Adnan Al Casey. In addition to honoring these wrestling legends, a great card of wrestling action will be presented on Friday night at the Five Sullivan Brothers Center. This card will be brought to you by Impact Pro Wrestling, one of the top independent promotions in the Midwest today. Come check out the Hall of Fame Classic Tournament featuring some of the top young wrestlers today, including Cole Cabana, Brian Pillman Jr., Madman Fulton, Dominic Garini, Gary J., Jeremy Wyatt, and more. And for the first time in Hall of Fame weekend history, a women's tournament will take place featuring Heather Monroe, Red Velvet, and Miranda Gordy. Meet several of the legends of wrestling's past, such as James J. Dillon, Jerry Briscoe, Mr. USA Tony Atlas, Sergeant Slaughter, and more. Also meet legendary wrestling coach and American wrestler Dan Gable. Get autographs from these stars in one of the most fan-friendly wrestling fan fests around. For the complete list of guests, check out the Luthez George Tragos Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame page on Facebook. For all access passes, call 319-233-0745 or visit the link in the podcast notes. Again, that's 319-233-0745. The 22nd Annual George Tragos Luthez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame Induction Weekend, July 15th through 17th in Waterloo, Iowa.